0: This is Ideas at the House, a podcast that features live talks directly from the Sydney Opera House stages. I'm Edwina Throsby. LGBTQI activist and canto-pop superstar Denise Ho has become one of the leading figures in Hong Kong's umbrella revolution. She visited Australia for Antidote 2019 at a crucial time for the Hong Kong protests to talk with Zing Seng from Vice UK. In this week's podcast, they discuss the future of democracy in Hong Kong, And how all contributions to activism, no matter how small they might seem, can have a big difference. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. This talk is completely sold out. Sydney Opera House told me they could have sold this event over several times. So you are the lucky ones. Um, We are joined here by Denise Ho. I'm sure she needs no introduction. She had a very snazzy animated introduction for all of you. Um, But in case you didn't know much about her, although I'm sure that's not the case, she is a canto pop star turned pro-democracy activist. In 1996, she won the New Talent Singing Awards on Hong Kong television. She was mentored by Anita Mui, but she... She found her voice truly in the 2010s when she became in 2012 the first woman to come out in canto pop and in 2014 she became the first celebrity to be arrested during the umbrella movement and her song Raise the Umbrella became the unofficial anthem for the whole protest movement in response her music was dropped from the mainland Chinese market forcing her to fundraise her own concerts and setting up her own independent record label and she is here to talk to us about what is happening in Hong Kong today and I know it is an incredibly live issue, people have been telling me that even in the queue for this event, people have been watching live streams of what's going on in Hong Kong right now. So I want to make sure that everyone is up to speed and everyone's on the same page as to what's been going on in Hong Kong. So Denise, would you like to give a quick refresher update on what's been going on in the last 24 hours to a week?
1: Okay. Hi, everyone. Um, Thank you for the Sydney Opera House to have me here in Sydney for the first time. I'm very honored to uh, give this presentation with Sing here. And uh, I'm wondering if I should be speaking Cantonese today. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of... uh, Who is from Hong Kong? (laughs) Okay, so uh, like 99%. Okay so uh those who are not from Hong Kong uh this presentation is for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh they are probably up to date with everything. So uh yes this has been a very um very very critical situation uh since the past 13 weeks in Hong Kong. Uh just uh yesterday it has been a an infuriating day for all Hong Kongers, uh, whether they are in Hong Kong or overseas, here in Australia. And so um, I'm going to give an update and then we'll go back into the the background of this whole anti-extradition bill uh, movement that has evolved into this really uh, fight for freedom for Hong Kongers. So um, two days earlier, um, we had arrests uh, f- from activists, uh, pro-democracy activists like Joshua Wong, Agnes uh, Chow, who are from Demosisto, and uh, also there have been more than five uh, legislators who have been arrested um, just Saturday. Uh, no, sorry, Friday night. And this was um, before the day where uh, we were supposed to have a protest in Hong Kong uh, on the 31st of August. And so this protest was banned, um, the police uh, did not give the, the, the permit for the people, the organizers, to uh, give, uh, to have this protest on the streets. But uh, as we have been accustomed to these bans in Hong Kong, Hong Kongers still went onto the streets in mass, and there were uh, you know, religious, so-called religious rallies. and You know, Hong Kongers are very uh, capable in finding ways when we have uh, these doors closed in our face. So um, huge amounts of people came onto the streets, and of course, it uh, evolved into a very, very uh, violent clampdown from the police, um, and... Of course, you know, this is the slogan that uh, came during these past weeks. It was you who taught me that peaceful marches are useless. And um, so what happened was tear, gla- tear gases and uh, rubber bullets, of course, have been fired into the people since early afternoon yesterday, I think around 3 or 4 p.m. And then it um, evolved into the first use, real genuine use of the water cannons, which have been dyed, uh, you know, with blue dye, mm-hmm. that has, and also, I think, tear gas uh, chemicals that were in these water cannons. So, um, that was what happened just yesterday. And the blue dye is to identify people, correct? Yes, exactly. And then... Um, Of course, it evolved into a lot of different uh, areas, uh, residential areas and different districts. And then uh, the police, because um, they have been basically given full authority uh, the past weeks to arrest and to really beat up people as they wish. And so um, a lot of arrests happened. And these were... Sorry. These... uh, Undercover police were dressed as protesters, and they were uh, witnessed to have even. Uh, this is uh, not completely fact-checked, but there have been uh, solid evidence that these uh, so-called protesters, who are under police, uh, undercover police, they have been um, provoking the people, uh, even. Maybe you know, throwing Molotovs into the crowds, and that's the video you're about to show us. Yes, now. Uh, the next video is these undercover police. They have been arresting people uh, who have been, you know, in the movement with them. Let's take a look. And, I mean, please take note that they have no identification whatsoever. Uh, And that has been the case uh, since early June. Like, the police, they have covered up all their identity uh, numbers and warrant cards uh, deliberately to not be identified. And so we have no uh, means to, to know if these are real police or... they they could be anyone really and so he is not answering the question whether he is a police they are just uh, arresting people and in of course a very inhuman way inhumane way and so uh, they have been there have been all sorts of tear gas and different bullets that we cannot even identify that have been fired into the people and real bullets, uh, cartridges yep. uh, that have been found. And of course, you know, it evolved into the night where uh, protesters have uh, reacted uh, very, of course, aggressively because we have been bullied for the past 13 weeks. And I would like to give some context to why uh, the, the protests have evolved into uh, more aggressive means. Right. And that is, of course, because of the police brutality that has been going on. And we do not have any sort of way to make comp- to file complaints. The only commission that we have is, um, the, uh, is also under the government, and so the only way that we can do so is we have to go into the police station to file a complaint, and then these police would decide if they would want these complaints to go to this commission. So basically,
0: yes. it's useless. And of course, if the police are covering up their identification numbers, how do you know who's the police officer who exactly. attacked you? Exactly. So that has been a frustration
1: uh, that we had since June. And that, you know, with the police arresting and uh, you know, detaining and also beating up people as they wish, um, the, the protesters have come to uh, the, the point where we have to defend ourselves. And so uh, these were images from last night, And of course, the most infuriating moment was when the police, they went into the MTR stations um, to, I I really don't know for what reason, Uh, there have been claims that because there was a uh, pro-Beijing middle-aged man Mm -hmm. who was beating up people with a hammer on the green line of the MTR station. And then so people called the police in and the riot police, they went into the station but they went on the other side of the line and
0: they beat up people really randomly and so let's mm-hmm. so talk me through what's happening in this photo what are they being sprayed with is that uh, this yeah. is probably pepper spray right I, I believe and i have a video of what
1: actually happens so mm-hmm. let's take a look
2: 有個衝龍小隊的人
1: So this this was after the police left And uh, they would not let uh, the first aided go in. And they were basically just beating up people randomly. And uh, we, we have experienced a similar situation in July, July 21st, where there were white shirts, triad mobsters who went into the MTR station exactly the same way. And they... Beat up people with wooden sticks and bamboo sticks and metal sticks. And so, last night when we saw this, I, you know, of course, I was in Sydney, and when I saw this, I was furious because we are officially in a police state where we are in face of a very critical humanitarian crisis where the police have full authority to do whatever they want with the people, and the government is hiding behind the police force.
0: So I think now might be a good time to go back into the background of these protests and what they're about. Although, given the fact there's so many Cantonese people here, maybe that's, maybe that's not entirely useful. I'm just going to do this for the minority of you here who might not understand why these protests are happening. So the extradition bill was put forward to LegCo, and basically human rights observers are concerned that if the extradition bill were to be passed, basically anyone who is critical of the Chinese government could find themselves being extradited to China to face any kind of punishment, that they wouldn't have any kind of rights as a Hong Konger. And, of course, this sparked enormous amounts of protests. Carrie Lam, who is executive of Hong Kong, has announced that the bill is indefinitely shelved, which you may interpret as you wish. Um, what the protesters are demanding is that the bill is terminated. Um, and, of course, this all goes back to the 1997 handover of Hong Kong to China, when China promised to adhere to the one country, two systems law, where Hong Kong could be allowed to retain its constitutional integrity and independence from China until twenty fourteen. Seven. Am I correct? Yes, that's correct. Unfortunately, it is now 22 years into that promise and things are looking very, very different on the ground. So in order to see what the protests have been truly like, I think it's a l- informative for us to look at how the protests have played out. So we have a short video to show you the scale and magnitude of the protests because don't forget that at one point, one in four Hong Kongers were out on the streets protesting against the extradition bill. Yes, um,
1: let's take a look.
3: 好勇者
1: So, uh, oh, that's very emotional for me.
0: How do you feel looking at footage of those protests?
1: Uh, I mean, it's only been two and a half months, and it's so much has changed. <sighs> Sorry. Um, and because, I mean... Um, Uh, I, I really want the world to know that this, although we are seeing a lot of um, violence from all sides at this moment, uh, this really started out as a largely peaceful protest uh, in,
0: in June. Um, it's okay. Take as much time as you need.
1: <gasps> and you no, know, um, as you can see in these images, this was on in early June. We had a one million people protest. We had. No response from the government. They wanted to push the extradition bill ahead. And then next week, we had 2 million people on the streets. And so, you know, we we tried all sorts of ways to get our voices heard, to get to the government, but they only responded with tear gas, more tear gas, rubber bullets, sponge bullets, uh, you know, police brutality, for more than 13 weeks now. We're going into the 14th week. And uh, we have lost six lives uh, because of despair, because um, from suicides of young people. We, We lost six young people, young precious lives. And we got more suppression from the police and one girl even lost an eye uh, because she was shot from a high level uh, from, by the police with a, 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 a beanbag bullet. And so we are seeing you know, not only young protesters on the streets, really. It's people from all walks of life. This is a man... Um, he came in, in front of a police officer who was, uh, you know, he was previously uh, uh, chased by protesters because uh, you know, they, they were chasing him with, with uh, sticks, and then he pulled out his gun. And then this man, he went in front of these officers, and he was asking them to, you know, don't shoot, don't shoot them. Where does this courage come from? Hong Kong has never been known to be a a, a political uh, conscious society. We have always been very indifferent. The previous generations were mostly uh, about the economy. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a relatively peaceful society where, where nothing like this has ever been seen before. And now people have been pushed to this edge where... Really, you know, these young people, they are fighting for their lives and for the future. And you know, I, I really have no words for, for the situation right now. Um, although, you know, we have a remarkably smart and um, capable young generation. They have used all sorts of means uh, in front of these very critical situations, um, and still at this moment, this is a leaderless, mm-hmm. decentralized movement. Although the Hong Kong government, they, they are reluctant to believe in this fact, but it is the truth. We are leaderless. And... Um, no, they, they, they are still claiming that there are foreign forces coming into the movement. We are organised by some sort of mysterious force, but it is just not the truth. This is a totally um, voluntarily, uh, 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 it's not even organised. I right. mean, it's, it's, it's evolved into this decentralised movement where people are pitching in, uh, in all sorts of ways, like everyone is taking their own role, uh, doing whatever they can, uh, young post- protesters in the front lines and even uh, like barristers, lawyers, accountants, uh,
0: administrative officers who have spoken up and trying all sorts of ways or even on a smaller level i 've seen pictures of people buying single fare train tickets for protesters and leaving them in the MTR stations. Yes or yes. giving out food to protesters, yes. uh, medical aid. So it seems like the protests are touching every single level of Hong Kong society. Yes. How do you think it's become so huge?
1: Well, uh, no, I gave a talk just two weeks ago in San Francisco, and I was... Elaborating on how this happened, this is the question that most of the international world has been asking: like, how has this been able to become this sustained fight? And so I have like three very simple answers to this, and it's actually very old school. First, it's we have an online forum Mm -hmm. where people strategize and uh, you know pitch ideas, and then they could vote um, on these different ideas coming from everywhere, and then the most upvoted uh, ideas would be turned into actions, such as, um, you know, this is the Stand with Hong Kong at G20 campaign, where uh, these protesters, they crowdfunded, I think, uh, three or four million Hong Kong dollars within hours to uh, put up... uh, front-page ads in different newspapers worldwide, and this was done within days. And, uh, of course, these different ideas would become, um, there would be promotional posters that would be uh, designed by anonymous designers, and they would be up the next day, and then we would um, be distributing these these artwork uh, on Telegram on Facebook so we have this sort of like a communication system uh, that has naturally uh, been set up on the telegram the app uh, where there would be channels uh, for general information for these uh, artwork and then for first aiders for on on ground, uh, like scouting, where people could send in information of, oh, I saw police uh, in such or such street, and then this information could get to the people very easily. So basically, Hong Kong people have been utilizing all sorts of tools on the internet uh, to to really get the word out and to get organized. And because this is a very decentralized movement of, comparatively to the days of the Umbrella Movement, where we had a few organizations, uh, student unions and uh, uh, like pan-democrats, trying to organize people, which became very slow in its actions. So this time around, because we have learned from our mistakes, so the actions are taken like within days, Uh, things could happen and could evolve and change. And like at different occasions where uh, maybe something didn't work, did not work out as planned then people like the the young protesters they would come out into public and uh, apologize and then they would evolve and then they would really just strategize um, accordingly and that was why this uh, originally it was just uh, 2 million people in march it evolved into this very sustained fight that uh you know it's, it's it it got its power into it. In its decentralization, mm-hmm. and of course, it is very unique to Hong Kong people because Hong Kong people, you know, as you all know, are very flexible and very capable in finding uh, new means to, to different situations.
0: How do you see your own role in these protests? Do you see yourself as an international advocate, you know, going to places like Antidote in Sydney and trying to? talk to people about what's going on to raise awareness? Do you see yourself as someone on the ground who's reporting from the front lines and recording it so that misinformation can be combated? Do you see yourself as a voice of this protest even? Or do you just see yourself as someone who's simply trying to support what's going on?
1: Uh, I guess I'm I'm taking up a, a few different roles. Uh, I see myself as a very... Um, uh, you know, very recognisable face uh, and participant of this movement. I'm not a leader whatsoever. I am one of the people. But uh, since this is a very anonymous fight where, you know, people have been uh, putting on on masks uh, in in fear of being recognised by the police and then being arrested, uh, uh, you know, in face of different political repercussions, so, most of the people are re- reluctant in revealing their identities. So in that context, I can be the, the one of the people who can get their voices heard. And whether it's on the ground where you know, I can give uh, some sort of uh, you know, emotional support to some people, uh, because, as you might know, the, the, most of the celebrities have been silencing themselves in Hong Kong in fear of being blacklisted, as I, I have been, uh, by the China market, uh, by the communist government. And so, um, another role is that uh, on the international platforms where, of course, the press, they're trying to get a hold of someone to speak to, uh, and is increasingly difficult. So. I might be one of the candidates that
0: you know, they can reach and I can help tell the story to the international world. You spoke about what was happening in, what's happening in Hong Kong at the United Nations and you were interrupted twice by the Chinese delegates. Yes. What was going through your head when you got interrupted <sighs> twice during that two-and-a-half-minute speech?
1: Well, frankly speaking, I was expecting that. And maybe I was... Provoking them a bit, <laughs> um, because I do think that um, you no, know, th- that was only proof to what I was saying. You know, that they are this uh, authoritarian government who does not allow free speech and who suppresses anyone who who, who dares to stand up against them. So. Those two times that they were trying to interrupt me, it's just, you know, they're just helping me prove that point. And so, uh, but, you know, I, I'm not someone who has been involved in, in politics. I'm, you know, I, I am originally a, just a singer, a, 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 you know, someone who, who's, who is uh, maybe a, a so-called celebrity. And I'm not a politician, I'm not someone who's accustomed to these platforms. But then uh, that is the beauty of this movement, is that everyone is learning and is evolving in like, full speed. And uh, there are different roles that everyone is taking up. So if that is something that I am able to do in this movement, then so be it. No, I will try my best. I might not be as uh, uh, you know, articulate as some politician, but still, I I mean, if that's something that I can do, f, you know, for in this movement, then I will I, I, just
0: try my best to do to do whatever I can. How do you view your music now in relation to your actual activism? Has it taken a back seat? Yes,
1: <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but you know, I, I I do think that this role as a uh, creator is very very important in these times where uh, you know everything is censored, uh, the news can be censored and you know, it can be erased even, and um, you know the people are are are. Uh, intimidated into you know, silencing themselves. Uh, we have seen businesses, uh, international businesses actually, like uh, our our airlines, the Cathay Pacific, mm-hmm. and even the MTR stations, they have been closing down stations uh, in fear of being, um, you know, in fear of these political repercussions from the Hong Kong government and of course the communist government behind them. So in these times, I think, Create creativity you know uh, the arts music movies is actually the place where uh, the fight can 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 go on, and you know they can they can lock you up they can they can ban you from going uh, into the country or they can you know, uh, censor your name even uh, on Chinese social media, but they cannot. Really control your mind, like the creativity, and you know, with the internet right now, if something goes out into the world, then it's there forever. Like some song or uh, any piece of artwork, really. So I I'm struggling with uh, you know, the balance of these two sides, but I'm very aware of uh, this role that I should not um, put aside. Mm-hmm. Know, at least uh, you know, in in the coming years, I do believe that that is something that is very empowering uh, to the people and also to myself, because uh, that's the only way you know I can really express myself freely and uh, i I would encourage really anyone if if in the audience or those who are uh, would be watching this speech uh, afterwards to really get your creative juices flowing, because that is where the fight can be sustained.
0: Right. And what about the role of these street protests? Do you think that these street protests will continue happening for as long as, you know, the five demands of the protesters aren't being met, one of which is, of course, indefinite terminating the extradition bill? Um, Or do you think that the fight needs to evolve to become something else in order for it to be sustainable?
1: Well, I do think that um you know, we are at a point of no turning back really. Uh especially after last night where the police have uh really been completely out of hand. And so uh you know, Hong Kong people are furious at this moment and um we are expecting the situation even maybe to escalate in September, uh, before the 70th 70, uh, anniversary of, uh, on the 1st of October. Mm-hmm. That's coming in the month. So what will happen uh, during this month? Uh, you know, nobody really can answer that question. Uh, what we can do in the moment is really to, to uh, become more united in our fight and um, to become very strategic, really, uh, in face of this huge machine that is the, the communist government, and um, really to, to
0: evolve in our fight, yeah. And what do you think needs to happen in terms of strategy? Do you think that the international community should be doing more to support Hong Kong? Do you think that more media attention should be paid towards the protest from the international media. What can people in you know, Australia and Sydney do to help the people in Hong Kong?
1: As I have said you know, many times in interviews and even in talks, I am emphasising on the fact that this really is not only a fight between Hong Kong and the Hong Kong government and the communist government behind them. It really is a very global fight where we are seeing these Chinese influences going into the whole global community. Uh, Just recently, I have uh, received... The, the news from uh, uh, my friend Bariu Tao in Melbourne. Uh, you no, know, they we I'm going there in in a few days, and so they are trying to organize this event uh, in Melbourne, and they have received rejections from different venues, even the NGV, uh, which is a government institution for the arts, and so no they have quoted uh, that you know, the, it was out of security concerns but still i mean it's a government institution and for them to back down in in such a fashion uh, because of fear of you know whatever that might happen uh in response to all these uh, clashes that have that has happened between Chinese students and the Hong Kong students, and that is something that is not only it's not an isolated uh, situation; it's really happening everywhere in the world. Where you know even some Hong Kong activists in, in Montreal, my my hometown, uh, have been banned from a gay pride uh, because of, again, security concerns. So. And of course, all these governments who have silenced themselves because of uh, the economic reasons, they don't want to lose the Chinese market. And so uh, even in face of this kind of humanitarian crisis, they have said very limited things uh, in face of uh, this communist government. So are we going to accept that? Uh, this will be the future of the global community, or are we going to do something about it? I mean, there are things that we can do, uh, even as you know, in the Australian uh, society, because Hong Kong, in fact, is a um, in a very special position where we are part of China, but also we have a completely different system with the the whole you know, Chinese uh, economy. So we as a still we are still indispensable for for the chinese government we are still this international hub where money comes in and out of china into the international world so uh, just very recently the australian government has signed this uh, australia hong kong free trade agreement i think in march mm-hmm. and so um no it shows that Hong Kong is in a very special position that is indispensable to the uh, Chinese government. So, on this, you know, in this context, I think you know, we, the people, when the government are not able to speak up, then I think the people have the the power and also the responsibility to speak up against these violations of human rights and the freedoms that is infiltrating the whole world. And by giving pressure to your government, uh, whether you are an Australian, uh, American, uh, British, or Canadian, or, you no, know, everyone really in the world, I think there is something that is lying within us, uh, as Hong Kong people have demonstrated. You know, we We really are the power, and not those who are... No, in charge of the, the countries. So write to your local
0: MP, write to your local politician, make your voice heard is what you're saying. Yes,
1: exactly, because you know, we are the, the, the example of this kind of Chinese influences uh, going into the society. We thought in the earlier days in Hong Kong that, you know, everything was fine, the economy was fine, but then, After 22 years only, this is happening. And all those problems that were hidden, very well hidden, they have come to the surface. And so if this could happen to Hong Kong, then it could happen really anywhere. Uh, Like we are in the face of this government who, the Chinese government, who has no... um, respect whatsoever for these promises that they have made, whether it's to Hong Kong or even between them and the British, uh, where you know, they have signed the joint declaration in 1984, and they have claimed that this is just a historic right. document that they do not have to respect. So how do you expect them to really respect anything, any agreement that they have with any other countries?
0: So I just want to pause here to say that we are going to be taking questions. So if you want to ask a question, there are mics, I believe, at that corner and one on the upper tier there. Um, there'll be 15 minutes for questions. Um, please make sure it is a question and not a long statement, um, because we, I will be aiming to try and get through as many questions as possible so that everyone gets a chance to be heard. So if you're interested in asking a question now, please make your way over to the different microphones. But I've got one last question for Denise before we, go to quest- before we go to the Q&A. And it's, do you feel safe? Do you feel worried about your own safety? I mean, it's impossible to ignore the fact that there have been multiple arrests being made. Um, people have been detained at the border. Um, mm. Do you feel like your relatively high profile insulates you from a lot of that? Or are you worried that it just makes you even more of a target?
1: Uh, well, frankly speaking, I haven't been uh, worried about that in, in, at least for the, for the very first part of the movement up until maybe one or two weeks ago right. where we have seen a lot of mob violence uh, you know, on the streets of Hong Kong and even outside of Hong Kong where uh, there are pro-Beijing communities who have been attacking uh, Hong Kong people. Uh, In Melbourne and, uh, like, other places. And so, uh, you know, that is something that uh, is starting to concern me. And also, of course, the the arrests that have happened in Hong Kong, uh, you know, they have been... The arrests that they did to the legislators, to the the high-profile activists. Um, So, I guess, basically, I... I know there is this kind of uh, threats and danger that that uh, that are present, but still when you look at these young people in the front lines they ha- they are beaten up you know, on a daily basis by the police and they are being you know, unreasonably arrested with really no no means uh, no, no, no no reasons behind them and so somehow I feel you know my sacrifices are not really. That high comparatively to them, because they are a whole generation who have put in, they ha, who have put their their uh, their future on the lines. And up to this date, I think there are more than 900 people arrested, and maybe even more after last night. So I, you know, I, I I'm part of them,
0: and so I guess if there are threats, then so I'll just have to deal with it. Right. So I'd like to take the first question, if there's anyone who would like to step up to the mics. I think there's one up there and there's another one down there, right? So you're at number one.
4: Um, My question is sort of what's the sense on the ground uh, in terms of fears of the army going in? I I saw there was, you know, the news reports on the build-up of the army on, uh, on the edge of Hong Kong. And is that something that people are f- afraid that
2: will realistically
1: happen? What right. Well, in the earlier days where they first deployed uh, the troops to the, the border in Shenzhen, um, we believe that it's it was mostly for show and for uh, intimidation, uh, so to get the people to go back home and, you know, to, to really not uh, uh, protest anymore. And that has been a tactic that, uh, we have seen during the umbrella movement like uh because you know it's for context we have this whole generation of more elderly people who have witnessed uh the the crackdown in 1989 on the Tiananmen massacre and so that is a burden that is uh very present in the in the whole hong kong society so um the people have been uh, circulating these rumours and uh, they have been uh, asking, uh, you know, telling people, oh, le- let's not go protest anymore. But still, uh, we have been through this. And so this time round, um, I think a lot of people are not afraid anymore. And personally, I, as I said just now, like, Hong Kong is still an international hub that is indispensable for China. And, uh, if they really were to deploy the troops, then it's not only us who have to face the consequences. Like the whole Chinese economy, they would have to face the consequences too. So is the Chinese government, is Xi Jinping, ready to give up Hong Kong you know, as this uh, very important place uh, to China? So you know, I, I would say, um, my my answer to this question maybe 2 or 3 weeks ago would be it's a very very low possibility but right now you know with the situation escalating uh maybe that possibility has gone a little bit higher but still um i don't see it as a immediate threat uh but still you know hong kong people are, are ready uh, to face this very slight possibility of this happening. And, uh, but still, I, I think if they really did that, then it's, it's really total chaos for even the, the whole China com- economy.
0: Right, it will be shooting itself in the foot.
1: Yes, of course, and with the trade war going on with, with the United States and also the elections coming for Taiwan. So, no, we have to put this in, in the whole global context. And um, you know, I, I, there is always a threat, but um, I, I, don't think it's uh, in in the very, very high possibility just yet. Yeah. Thank but nobody knows what's going to happen, you know, in the in the coming days.
0: Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank is you. there another question? I think there's a queue forming
2: uh, at number two. Yes, you're at the upper level. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, okay. Look. Um, I understand you said don't make a long statement, but a couple of like a points I want to say, and I would like to see what uh, was yes or no from you and your comments. Yes, I think Hong Kong's look. I was from mainland, yeah. but honestly, I went to uh, the first of July protest and it was amazing. And every day watching all everything going on there, and uh, was really I was I'm really touched every single moment. Now I want to see like the real thing, the real deal of Hong Kong going on there. I think we need more street to be more strategic, yes. because my um, true opinion is we're dealing with someone that, as civilised people, I would say, like Hong Kong people, never faced before, right? Yes. So, uh, because I was from there, so basically, I think I know a bit better than um, most people would know about the China and the Communist Party. Basically, I think that's the force behind the, uh, the Hong Kong government. Yes, of Hong Kong government would really would sit down, have a talk. Now, we need to be more strategic. I think we can have three things at least uh, uh, three strategies we can think. One is uh, we, need, we can borrow some idea from mainland, main, mainlanders, like people from mainland. I know like most people think maybe, oh, they're actually supporting the government, this and that. But actually there are people out there, I mean in there, they really love Hong Kong in a certain way and uh, I believe there's some strategy because uh, they know the, the government they, they very well. So that's one. Secondly is... Um, um, the, the police power in, in Hong Kong, I believe we can have a certain way to speak to them because nowadays what happens on the streets, clashing every day, every single protest is very, very, how to say, um, disturbing at least. So I believe they're Hong Kong people. The policemen are Hong Kong people. So you guys find a way, to speak to them, right? Um, also, a third power I believe you guys can speak to is... Um, Somewhere in the government, I think, like, or somewhere related to that, yeah.
0: Right. So, so basically, draw more support from people in mainland China who might be supportive, speak to the Hong Kong police officers, and try and get support from the Chinese government.
1: Well, so. uh, no, thank you, thank you for speaking up. Um, I want to make a point out of the fact that, uh, actually, I have nothing against uh, you know, mainlanders, because I have a lot of friends in mainland, and I I agree completely with you that you know there there must be uh, maybe a small minority, but there must be people in mainland who know what's happening, but you know they cannot really speak up uh, given the, the 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 situation in mainland. So uh, I agree that we need to get this the all this information and the truth into mainland to, to let the people know that we are not rioters. This is something that the Chinese government and the Hong Kong government, they want to frame us into, but we are not rioters. We are you know, just asking for what has been promised to us in the basic law and you know, by the Chinese government. And so, um, but it is really difficult, really. Um, you know, first, uh, uh, what you have said uh, for the police like personally i i know that you know i i know that the police there must be some of them just, just in this very similar situation as the the people in the mainland there must be some who know uh, what's mm-hmm. what's right and wrong but like they have this huge pressure on them that they cannot say much and even but on the other hand, in the front lines, just as we have witnessed last night, we have so many like aunties and uncles who are on the streets trying to talk some sense mm-hmm. into the police force, and it's it's just not working. Like somehow, like the the, the whole tension and the emotions going on on the streets, uh, it's it's just taking over any sense, uh, at least in the, in the police who are in the front lines. Mm-hmm. And also there have been uh, like some evidence saying that there are Chinese police who have been uh, helping out in the Hong Kong police force. And that was right, why you know, they don't have the, the warrant cards and the identity, and some have, uh, just last night actually, have, uh, there was footage of the commanders speaking in Putonghua, in mm-hmm. Mandarin, to the police officers, which is a very weird thing because Hong Kong people speak in, in Cantonese. So, uh, like, really, I, I, I agree that we have to be really, really strategic. And um, no, I, I, I have quite a lot of uh, confidence in our uh, people, uh, including the young generations who have proven to be very are capable in finding solutions in the past 13 weeks. So, um, and I I agree that we have to, uh, in spite of all this frustration, we have to keep uh, a certain level of calm uh, in order to find these solutions and to to really react to everything that's happening uh, on such a huge uh,
0: uh, speed every day. Mm I think we've got time for two more Thank questions you. if people keep it very snappy. So, the person at number one. Hello, Denise.
5: Hi. Long time listener, first time caller.
0: <laughs> Thank
5: you. Um, that gentleman upstairs has already pretty much touched on what I was going to ask, but I'm going to push ahead with the question anyway. Um, not everybody who speaks Putonghua is against Hong Kong, yes, as demonstra- aptly uh, demonstrated. There are Singaporean, Taiwanese, yes. lots of mainland Chinese. Yes. 1.4 billion, huge amount of diversity. How do we harness that? How, how do Hong Kongers, how do we get the, get them on your side? And one of the things I can think about is we can emphasize one country, two system. That, without one, is, uh, it diminishes the other. So we can say... Yes, I'm in support of one country, but you maintain the two system. The moment you d- erode the two system, I'm going to pull up stumps with the, with, with the one country. I'm going to, no more one country. So if, if you can frame that, I've, I feel that, that that's one way to harness more of the nationalists and less of the communists towards your side of the uh, uh, protest. I don't know what you think about that.
1: Well we we really obviously have very smart people in the audience today. Yeah. And uh well I mean it's it's a conversation that is not one-sided. I mean uh as I said, I am one of the participants of uh, this whole movement, and that's the beauty of this movement: is that everyone really can voice out uh, your strategy, like anyone here. And uh, you know, sometimes I, when I think about it, like I'm thinking, should we be going back to the earlier days where we are, you know, passing out these messages in mooncakes, <laughs> and you know, really going back to the very organic stage where we go, we pass through that digital, you know. The control of the of the government, and really that might be something that might work, like just get the message out so uh in these very survey uh, the, the, this surveillance state um uh, we have to go we have to think uh, past that mm-hmm. and maybe in these organic ways uh, and everyone can be a part of that. But of course, you know, be safe if anyone's from mainland China here um is is a real threat where we have seen a lot of people who have been uh, trying to go into China and they have been detained and some even disappeared. Uh, uh you know, the the there have been uh, um this uh Simon Cheng. Yeah, Simon yeah. Cheng, uh from the UK consulate yeah. has disappeared. And so um so you know, be safe and be smart
0: and be strategic. That's what I can say at the moment. Yeah. We've got probably got time for one more question, so Thank you. At number two.
4: Hi, everyone. Um, So I'm a Hong Kong nurse, of course, and I'm very proud of everyone here. We're very confident. We're also very courageous people. Um, One question is, while we're so courageous, going to the front, fighting for all this freedom for ourselves, do you have any ideas or strategies that you can tell us how to protect our families from Hong Kong from all this, like, crazy chaos? Um, Because seeing, like, every single day, seeing all this... Sadness from Hong Kong, I just feel so um, helpless. I don't know what we can do um, from Australia to help them. And also um, some of my families from Hong Kong, they are like standing at the front fighting for our own freedom um, and they got arrested and we just don't know what to do um, sitting at home. Um, what, is, um, what is the advice, what we can do to help our people and to help our families as well? So, yeah, that's it for my
1: question. Thank you. Uh, I totally understand your feeling because last night I was watching the live feed. Um, it's the first time that I have been away from the people uh, in these very critical times. So, I was feeling very, very um, guilty and uh, very, very, it was very, very heartbreaking when I saw all those images. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I, last night I had a thought: like, should I be going home? No, should I just leave this and then go home right away? But then I reflected on it, and I came to this, the, the, the conclusion that no, because we all have our own roles in this movement. Whether you are on the ground in Hong Kong, or you know, as myself, I have been invited. Uh, to, to different uh, uh, forums and conferences to get the word out to other people, and you know maybe my role today is to empower everyone, you know, by sharing my story. And so my response to that is that do whatever you think you can, even even if that seems like just a, a pointless thing or you know something that is uh, so. Uh, so-called useless comparatively to what's happening on the ground because this movement only became this movement because of everyone pitching in, whether you're in Hong Kong or even overseas where we have seen uh, different rallies, uh, different uh, university students standing up for Hong Kong, uh, even when they are in face of intimidation themselves. So, um, no, there is no one... Uh, right answer for everyone. No, there, there is no answer uh, that fit one. One size fits all. It's really like what, what are you most, what are you best at? Like what, what is the thing that you, you, you are most capable of? Then just do that. I really believe in this fact. Where you know you see these moms and dads coming in onto the streets, even the elderly. Uh, we call them the silver hair. Uh, clad? <laughs> I don't know how to explain that. Like So you see everyone pitching in. And uh, no one is thinking, oh, no, I'm, I'm so small and I'm so useless. Nobody is thinking that anymore. So just really do what you think you can do. Thank you very
0: much yeah. for your question. Yeah. Thank you. And really, to... I mean,
1: get the word out. Get the word out to other, other Australians. Uh, tell, tell them about the situation and really not only saying that it's a situation in Hong Kong, but a global problem that we are facing
0: together. So I think on that note, we've come to the end of this conversation. Please join me in thanking Denise Ho for joining oh, us. At thank episode. you. Thank you. <laughs> thank
2: you.
1: Thank oh. you.
2: Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. Hang on! Hang on, Yep, thank you. Stay strong! Thank you.